but I would say that uh, you know, the, the key thing that I hear from every single company that I talk to in Washington is that we have a problem in recruiting talent. We have a problem in recruiting the right skill set. And we don't necessarily want the finished product because we can train workers ourselves. We can work with local communities. But we need to have a, an engineering literate or a business literate or, a, uh, or an energy literate workforce that we can work with and we can educate. And then we need to have partner institutions locally with whom we can work and we're willing to invest in those institutions and to pay them what they deserve and what they need to build out their programs. And if we were competing with other groups that would have the identical things that we have, we have a geographical advantage or disadvantage in competing with someone. So I think that this is where you get into the differentiation of the market. And so I've had some interesting conversations since I began here on this on this issue. What is it that we actually believe is our competitive advantage? Here in McAllen, in Brownsville, in Laredo, and it's going to be different between those cities because, of course, it's a different economic model. What are the skill sets that we need to build out? Is it manufacturing engineering? Is it advanced manufacturing? Is it welding? Is it electricity? We've got to do those studies. And so that's why I believe it's so important that we begin to actually do proper surveys of what the needs are in local communities so that we know where the shortages are. Because right now, I think there's a lot of speculation that goes on. But we need to talk to businesses on this side of the border, we need to talk to businesses on the other side of the border. Because as we all know, the one, they, they go hand in hand, you can't really do one without the other. So let's actually take the time, invest the resources to actually understand what the needs are in a forward-looking strategic manner. That's where I think we could actually make real progress, if we actually have the data on what the skills are. Because I could waffle and tell you all kinds of things, how we should be investing in the environment. But that's it. That's the last question I'll let somebody else ask is, what are we doing this? So, one of the things that we're, we're doing that we shouldn't be doing is picking unnecessary fights with people. You know? Listen, I don't want to offend anybody who's a fan of Governor Abbott, but I mean, the showboating right now, you know, and I, I get it, it's all politics, it's about projecting onto a national stage, etc., etc., but it's unnecessary, and honestly, it turns off investors as well. So, let's do less of that. I think we need to do, um, I think we need to do less in terms of just thinking, and this is very much a, a, critical, a criticism of Washington, we need to think less of the border as a problem and much more as an opportunity. We need to change our, our, our mindset on that. And, you know, it's, I always find myself in this weird situation in Washington. You know, an Englishman from Kent who lived in Mexico and Canada talking about the U.S.-Mexico border and being the one in the room when there's a, you know, maybe a, you know, a representative from Michigan who say, oh, that border's a disaster. You know, have you been down there? And then you have to sort of say, go down and see and see what the opportunities are. And I think that there are, again, opportunities that we can, uh, we can take there, we can build to actually change perspectives. Not the least of which, I think, is to actually really raise the profile of towns like McAllen um, nationally. And there are, there are opportunities to do that. We've got the 30th anniversary of NAFTA coming up. You know, we've got the nearshoring phenomenon 
One of the things that frustrates me enormously, Judge, is in Washington, I, I have conversations all the time about supply chains, about de-risking from China, etc. And people say, yeah, yeah, we need to do near-shoring, ally-shoring, reshoring. And I say, well, that's why I want to talk to you about Mexico, because Mexico is an incredible place. I want to talk to you about the border and how we interact. And people lose interest immediately. It's an incredible thing. Their eyes glaze over because when they hear Mexico, and in particular when they hear the border, they have a predetermined image of what it is. And that's the thing, they don't understand the incredible economic um, dynamism that exists there. I have a question, just yeah. with what you just said. Have you ever had, um, have you ever changed anyone's mind? And what does that look like? Have you ever had those type of conversations what does it take? So temporarily, yes. You know, I've been into congressional offices. We did a study a few years ago where we looked at how many jobs in the United States depend upon the economic relationship with Mexico. Um, and we did the breakdown not just by state, but actually by congressional district. And so we could go into uh, representatives' offices, sit down with their staff, Say, so we need to talk to you about Mexico. And they would say, they would say, well, why? You know, I'm from Vermont or something, you know. And, and I say, well, this is how many jobs in your district. And they say, what? I had no idea. Okay? And so there's that moment, and many of you may have had the same experience. Eggy has had that experience, I know. You walk into an office and you show them the numbers and they go, I had no idea. Which is extraordinarily negligent if you think about it. It's like, you know, there are jobs in your district that depend upon this and you, you have no idea what's going on. But does it carry over? Sadly, it doesn't, because it has to be a constant barrage, and there needs to be, dare I say it, some consequences of not paying attention. And the consequences of not paying attention are, you know, we're not going to contribute to your campaign. We're not going to vote for you. We're going to make your life hell if you do get re-elected. And that just doesn't happen. There isn't a follow-through. And so, I, you know, I think about this a lot. Why is it that the... Cuban lobby or the Israel lobby, even now the Venezuelan lobby, is so powerful in the United States because they're so well organized. Why is the Mexican lobby powerless, toothless? Because it's not organized. What do we need to do on the border to raise the profile of border communities? We need to be better organized. You have to think about it. Think about how many Cuban-Americans there are in the United States and how much influence they have over policy. And then think about the combined wealth of border communities, the population, why it matters, and what we could do with that if we were just better organized. That's the only way it's going to make a difference, is actually by getting involved in national politics and making sure there are consequences.